0: Hi, I'm Red Butler, Patio Green, and Canary Yellow. Hi, and um, I was on the original Rainbow Brightcast. But I'm really, yeah, she's really, oh, yeah, she's really Mona Marshall.
1: Welcome to Brightcast. Thank you for downloading. This is Katie Carty-Hiley of RainbowBright.net.
2: this is Renee Stowe of RainbowBright.co.uk, And thank you for joining us again for a very special episode. We have lots of specials lately. Hey, wasn't it great? <laughs> it's a special year <laughs> This episode, we're going to be interviewing Mona Marshall, who was an original voice actress from the original 1980s, Rainbow Bright. You may have heard her at the very beginning of this episode, and she was a wonderful joy to interview. But before we get to the interview, let's go over a few little other news topics. Uh, what news do we have to share, Katie?
1: One thing that I am not happy about... <laughs> Me and Renee were talking about this last night. I think I'm more upset about it than she is, but whatever. There is a men's clothing designer named Kit Neal in the UK. I believe he's in London. And for whatever reason, Hallmark decided it would be a good idea to get with this guy and have him design a line of women's outfits that are Rainbow Brite inspired for Rainbow Brite's 30th anniversary. Now that in and of itself, not a big deal, but the result is hideous in my opinion. (laughs) There's like a couple of dresses, there's some weird pants, there's a couple weird coats and this hat, and they're the most drab, bland colors you can imagine. It's just black, white, gray, off-white, Murky green. It's, it's like they took Rainbow Bright into the opposite. I just did like a table flip when I saw the pictures. I'm like, who thought this was a good idea? How is this representative of Rainbow Bright at all? You know, there's like a couple pieces of artwork on it with Rainbow Bright, and that's it. And the rest is just random. There's a flower pot. There's a some flowers. It's it's. Time and energy and resources that could have been devoted to something better. If, if this is supposed to be for her 30th anniversary, you know, they're already doing the new cartoon. Why don't they just pump some more time and resources and money into that project? Or anything but this? Or if they want to make clothing, make clothing that the fans will enjoy and that actually represents the character. Because this. No! <laughs> well. I have to
2: say that I'm kind of on the flip uh, side of this perspective. I think that in a way they are actually kind of interesting because when I first saw the dresses, for example, they look like color pages and having a color page dress, I think would be cute. And I, it makes me want to get out a pack of crayons and color on it. But <laughs>
1: well, yeah, that would be the only way I would wear that is if I got some fabric markers that are meant for coloring on fabric and I colored it in because otherwise it is so ugly.
2: (laughs) It actually reminds me of, um, I have a friend who uh, is tattooed and when she had a baby she didn't get any tattoos done because she didn't want to get sick or anything from being tattooed and so she had just the outlines of uh, some tattoos she wanted to get done and I thought that would be so great when she gets older just give her a pack of markers and let her have fun.
1: I actually did that on occasion when my old tattoo was faded and I wanted some of the colors to be a little brighter. <laughs> I put, them... <laughs> I totally get watchable markers and just colored it in. It was hilarious.
2: But on the other side, also, this clothing line is for adult fans or people who are grown up women who may not know who Rainbow Bright is,
1: but they want this to be their introduction to it. it... If I didn't know who Rainbow Bright was and I saw this, I, I would be like, okay, that's ugly. On to the next thing. It's not, it, yeah.
2: <laughs> it is also high fashion and high fashion can be confusing.
1: That's for sure. <laughs> so I
2: like, I like to keep an open mind and give them the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> um, maybe this is just part of it. I haven't seen the full collection, so I'm not exactly sure how it's supposed to be. No, I
1: think that is the full collection. If you go to that article, that is the full collection.
2: For those of us who aren't familiar with the article, we'll make sure to uh, include a link on our website so that you yeah. can take a look at it too and come to your own conclusions. And Katie actually started a topic of this on the rainbowbright.net Facebook page. If you want to add to the conversation and let us know your thoughts. Do you hate these? Because every single person
1: that has responded on it hates it. <laughs> just like me. And yeah, the people who are fans of the designer, Kit Neal, they are all about it. They're like, oh, yeah, this is the greatest thing ever. But those are just fashion fans. They're not Rainbow Bright fans necessarily. So we'll see. I can't. And plus, I mean, the stores that it mentioned in one of the articles that these were going to be sold in, I've never heard of it, you know, it's in the UK. But I imagine since it's high fashion, etc., these are going to be really expensive. So very few people are going to buy them anyway.
2: However, one thing that it does give me hope for is exposure when it comes to getting it out in popular magazines. For example, other fashions that... Kit Neil has done have been worn in fashion magazines such as Vogue. And uh, so it gets the character out there more mainstream to adults. They, you know, they're flipping through a magazine looking at fashion stuff. Oh, Rainbow Bright. It may not be what you remember, but it it may jog a few memories and it gets it out there.
1: Personal opinion. If they could even recognize that it's Rainbow Bright, there's one picture of her on it. One! I will, I will admit, I had to hunt
2: for the Rainbow Bright. I saw yes! Lurky, uh I saw Murky's Pawn Shop. Yeah. Mur- Murky's Pawn Brokers. That was cute. That was funny, at least. But you can't
1: even see the characters. At least there's, like, a close-up shot I found that, yeah, shows Rainbow Bright. And it's artwork we've seen before. It's nothing new. It's just a random pose that we've seen in books and coloring books or whatever. And, yeah, it's like a street map and Murky's Pawn Broker. But... Yeah, from a distance or from the far, the further away shots, you can't even tell that Rainbow Bright is on that. So yeah, it'll probably have her name in the article. You're right. Maybe people will be like, "Oh, Rainbow Bright, I remember that." Why does this page have nothing to do with her on it?
2: <laughs> I also saw some on uh, um, one shot. It looked like on the print, which was the side of a building, graffiti. You know, I heart RB, which hmm. I thought was cool. <sighs> And it doesn't have a lot of color. Most of the colors are muted. Some of them make you scratch your head like, what?
1: <laughs> they all make me scratch my head.
2: The watering can, for one. Uh, but I'm thinking oh. you accessorize something like that with something really vibrant, like having the one of those dresses, but having a very colorful petticoat underneath it to make those colors pop and bring out this slight the lighter colors that are in the black and white print. I think that would be cute or pairing it with, um, you know, the black and white dress. I'm really going for the black and white dress and those black and white slacks and that jacket. Those are really cute. And then pairing it with something really bright. You you had your, I think it looked like a jacket and then you have it with like a bright colored scarf or you have the dress or the pants and you have it with a bright colored belt. I think it would add some to it. Fur, I don't understand. Yeah,
1: they said it's supposed to be reminiscent of Twink and the Sprites. Yeah, the texturing. I'm like, excuse me, what sprite was that color? None of them. None. Zero. Zip. <laughs> Spectrons! Ha <laughs> ha, there we go. Not really. <laughs> that is a murky sprite. That's what that is. Ah. Oh. Ah. I, uh, I just, know. mm-mm.
2: Don't get it. Not, mm-mm. Ah. <sighs> for everybody their own. The rainbow is different for everybody. And this happens to be for a certain group of people.
1: Yeah, people that don't like rainbows, apparently. <laughs>
2: I want I want to get one. I swear, I want to get one just to color it. I just think that would <laughs> be so much fun.
1: <laughs> you know they're probably going to be like $200 a piece. It's going to be ridiculous. Sad face. Yeah, They can throw it in the garbage for all I care. <laughs> <laughs> and I Usually, very supportive of anything that has to do with Rainbow Bright, but I just cannot get behind this. It's so opposite of Rainbow Bright. I mean, thankfully, it's not her, you know, drawn doing things she wouldn't do or saying things she wouldn't say or anything like that. I mean, it could be worse, yeah, but ugh
2: whole coloring aspect which are in those fashions does remind me of the fact that yesterday the official rainbow bright page released a link from Crayola. Now Crayola is a subsidiary of Hallmark and they have made rainbow bright color pages and they are encouraging fans to print the pages and color them and have fun and uh, we have some fans on the rainbow bright co-uk page which have already shared some uh, so if you go over there. We'll, we'll share a, a link um, on Brightcast as well so that you can see. And we definitely want to see more. So, you know, get out your coloring crayons and have some fun. Woo-hoo! Put some actual rainbows on those coloring pages. It was so cool. You actually got full body shots of everybody except the Dark Princess. But then mm-hmm. again, she's tall. But That's you great. finally get to see all the color kids from head to toe, which is something we hadn't actually seen by themselves yet
1: before. In the episodes, yeah, but you're right, not on their website, so that is pretty cool. Those will be fun to play with, but hopefully they'll do more things like that with Crayola, like we had the Color Wonder books and markers that came out several years back, with the mm-hmm. uh, that was within 2009 design, right? Yes. Yeah.
2: And on the old uh, Rainbow Bright website, they had color pages there, but in those color pages, you could change the backgrounds. So hopefully. You'll get some of the backgrounds from the new show that you can put your pictures on. Or maybe take screenshots or something from the show. And put...
1: Yeah, I really wish they had a more interactive site like they used to have where they did, yeah, you could color them online just using the little flash app, or you could pick the color and fill in the different areas. I understand why rainbowbright.com just redirects to feel in at this point, but it would also be nice. If not now, um, in the future, if they made a whole new website with the new design that had games and color pages and um, bios and all that kind of thing, like the old site had. Because that was pretty fun to play with. And it's a little disappointing that they haven't fleshed it out, you know, with, with that kind of stuff this time around, at least not yet. But hopefully they will. And some, yeah, some more Color Wonder things to collect would be awesome. Because we still don't have any merchandise from the new line other than the promos. The promo items. Mm -hmm. So we need more. Mm -hmm. When they also posted a recipe for rainbow cookies. It was pretty cute. I just liked the little images that went along with it of Rainbow (laughs) Bright. So I, I like that they are continuing even though we don't know about new episodes yet they're at least continuing the social media aspect of keeping the fans engaged with with cute little things like that that they're posting. So I'm hoping that that'll keep up as well. We'll see. Yeah, so who wouldn't want to eat a rainbow cookie? Right? They look delicious. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to make gluten-free versions, but I'll do it.
2: (laughs) A few other things that we have come across in recent weeks is... (laughs) Okay, all right. So I was listening to a documentary called I Know That Voice. It was about voice acting, which is a hobby of mine. And I was listening to it and I heard Baby Bright. I kid you not. I heard (laughs) Baby Bright. I flip over my screen to take a look and see who it is. And it is Pat Fraley, the voice of Lurky. He does a baby voice. It's amazing.
1: (laughs) It's really funny to watch him do it too. He was like using his shirt. As a... I don't know. (laughs) He was somehow using his shirt to help make the noise. But it was hysterical. So Renee solved yet another mystery about who did a particular voice in the original series. Because, yeah, a few of the characters just were uncredited. So we figured it was the original cast members, but we didn't know which cast member, per se. And we found out another one in preparing for this interview with Mona. Because she did... Red Butler, Patio Green, and Canary Yellow. But we had suspicions that she may have done another. And
2: prior to uh, our interview, which we are about to get to, uh, we actually sent her a series of questions. And with those were the questions about some people we were suspicious of, which may be her that weren't credited. One being the sphere of light or the voice that brought rainbow bright to the rainbow land in the beginning of rainbow land the second being the singing voice of patio green on the pain rainbow in your heart albums we sent her sound samples of uh both things i guess you can say and she was able to reply and confirm that yes she was beginning of rainbow land voice or lady bright
1: or Does that even have a name? (laughs) Yeah, it's always just, in the fandom, we've always kind of called her Lady Bright, but it is the Sphere of Light. But that just gets confusing because Baby Bright is also the Sphere of Light, and Baby Bright is voiced by Pat Freely now, so it's two different voices, so we'll just say Lady Bright.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But she did not do the voice of Patty on the record albums. But she did sing in other albums that were not Rainbow Bright related, which we will get to in the interview. So let's get go ahead and get to the interview. Uh here it is, our interview with Mona Marshall.
0: Hi. <laughs> it's so funny, I have a friend of mine who is English, and I have some of the Rainbow Bright stills. And she was upstairs looking and she said, oh, did voices for rainbow bright yes and she said oh my god i grew up on that show <laughs> nice <laughs> And i got older by the minute but um it was happy and fun and sweet and in answer to your question about the singing that does not sound like my voice singing however then listening to the narrator i'm pretty sure that was me i don't remember that it's just it sounds like me I don't know why they hired other singers, because I was already singing on Glow Friends uh, and then Fraggle Rock in the 80s. So for whatever reason, they may have decided they wanted to do that with singer-singers, but it does not sound like me.
2: We interviewed Michael and Patty Silvershire, who were songwriters, and he did the singing voice of Twink on the record albums. He said that at that time, the, the show hadn't been cast. So that maybe that's why. I don't
0: know. Oh, and there was also a strange thing that happened. And I don't know if you guys know this. We did the original recording, and at that recording, it was at Wally Burr's old studio, and Andy Hayward was, you know, contacted him on the phone, and there were kids there, kids in the cast, but it was an extremely long and very arduous session, mainly because you had the director, uh, Wally, you had representatives from the toy company, Mattel, you had Hallmark, and everybody had a different idea of how things should be. I mean, it was very challenging. That was an eight-hour-plus session. And for me, I was an adult, but for the kids, that was really rough. And it was just a long, long, long day, and it was a kind of a small studio. And, you know, you're trying to get input and listen as much as you can. And mind you, that pilot, I only had maybe one or two lines as these characters, and you wanted to try and grab them and, you know, get voice separation, as much as you could, and so what I remember is that Red Butler was kind of a tough little guy like this. You know, so I, I went for that little kind of forward sound in the mouth. Mm-hmm. And then Penny Green was supposed to be really bright. So I kept her up here. Wow, that is so terrific. And then Canary Yellow was supposed to be sweeter and softer. So I softened the voice and, oh, hi, that's remarkable. So that helped me because when you're doing, especially in anything that's back to back, you want to keep that separation. But, you know, you're trying as an actor to get a handle on what's the personality of these guys. Mm -hmm. And the writers may have been there as well. The writers have been working on this. That's their baby. Mm -hmm. And just try and (laughs) grasp what it is and make it happen vocally. Anyway, I thought that they had recast me. (gasps) Yeah. Which, you know, it happens. Whatever. So and then I heard the first episode of the movie or whatever. I can't remember what the first thing was. And I thought, oh, my God, that's my voice, (laughs) which was happy for me because it's a series. Yeah. Yeah. And happy for us, too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad. glad. (laughs) You don't realize when you're doing these things how many people you're going to touch, and that's going to be part of their lives. One of the cartoons I watched as a kid was The Adventures of Rough and Ready. Okay. It was a cat and a dog, I think. As a kid, I didn't know who did the voices. I just thought they were hysterically funny and so on and so forth. And I remember my sister and I were not very close. I had an older sister. She was five and a half years older. And that was one thing we shared on Saturday mornings. We'd have a slice of Holla toast and we'd watch that cartoon. Well, fast forward to Mona Marshall many years later. And I had the opportunity to study with Dawes Butler, the late, great Dawes Butler, who did the voice of Yogi Bear, Quick Draw McGraw. You know, taught people like Nancy Cartwright and Brian Cummings and all kinds of wow. people who are still working today, Corey Burton, and come to find out that he was a voice of I think rough, The, little, no the little 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 girl. Yeah. So I mean it's just kind of interesting. And then my philosophy, because Dawes Dawes's workshop was amazing. He um you paid fifteen dollars and he would write copy for us. And he would play us old radio shows because, you know, most of us had grown up with television, right? Just like you guys have grown up with computers. Mm -hmm. So it was amazing to see that play back and forth. And then he actually wrote something specifically for me. It was a character called Majesty, and she was head of an ad agency. And when they were casting for theater groups under the auspices of Los Angeles City, They were looking for performers who would go into the schools. We'd be paid by the city, so we had steady income. And we would perform for the schools and rec centers for free then because we were being paid by the city. And so for my audition, I used the piece that he had written for me. And I got it. I toured for 10 years and was studying with him at the time. So it's just so interesting how little things, you know, one thing leads to another and what inspires you and so on and so forth. So it's made me realize you never know when you are doing something, how it's going to hit somebody else, even as a child, and then carry that into your future.
1: Well, it's certainly hit us at a young age and has stuck with us since then. You know, we are, we've been huge fans of Rainbow Bright since we were kids. Uh, we were, you know, the target demographic at that time. And, all of the characters really spoke to us. Each color kid had their own personality so we could relate better to one or another. I know Patio Green, though, is one of, I think, everyone's favorite characters because she's just so spunky and funny and has this personality where she's a little more independent than some of the other color kids. And then Red Butler had those great lines when he was, you know, fighting with Brian, trying to be the alpha male. (laughs) Yeah, you...
0: Absolutely had some of the best characters in the show, and you did a wonderful job with them. Thank you. I really love doing them. I did not envision myself doing voiceover. I was basically dragged into Dawes' class. I was teaching <laughs> fifth grade at a.m. Um, yes. Well, I admit this. I was a theater snob. I wanted <laughs> to come out to California and do really important Shakespeare, and not to belittle any of that. That's fabulous. But Dawes's philosophy was if you couldn't act in a 30-second commercial, maybe you couldn't act and it's really interesting to see how the business has changed from all these really fabulous uh, high-profile actors who now want to do animation because in a way it's very freeing and you must use all the skills you have because just like there are certain techniques to being a good on-camera actor you have to be on point when you're doing voiceover you are creating pictures basically out of your head you're picking up the words I'm talking about original animation now Mm -hmm. You're taking those words, figuring out who that character is, and you are making those images come to life for the animator and for the people listening. So it requires a lot of acting chops. And I'm glad that I had all the acting background because it certainly helped me. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I was, had no interest in voiceover. And I, I didn't know what voiceover was. And, uh, but then again, I was a snob about doing children's theater, and I came to absolutely love it. And realize now those 10 years touring, because what was happening is as I was touring, my voiceover career was beginning to get busier and busier. So when that program ended, there was my voiceover career. And the skills that I learned, you know, being able to hold an audience, even though that's a live audience, you still have to be able to do that with your voice. And if you're lucky enough to get really good characters that are written, to me, it's acting heaven. But somebody in my fifth grade class had just done um, The Little Prince with... Richard Burton, so he was 10. the kid was 10, not Richard Burton. And, <laughs> uh, and the mother who really liked me and she knew I could sing, and I said, "You've got to take this class. You gotta, you'd be so good And Brian Cummings. I didn't know who Brian Cummings was, by the way, at that time. Oh, it, you'd be so good." Well, I went into class, and I mean, right there, I knew I belonged, because wow. it was about acting. It wasn't about making a cutesy voice. It wasn't about I mean, my whole paradigm, my whole concept of voice acting changed probably that first night and I feel so fortunate it's interesting how it seems several voice actors
1: fell into the occupation like Bettina Bush she didn't set out to be a voice actress but again she kind of fell into it and just ended up being really good at it because she was able to read at such a young age and that's something that she's stuck with her entire life and and she feels the same way that she's just so lucky and so fortunate to have had that opportunity at the right time and have got the correct roles presented to her. So it's funny how that seems to be the story for a lot of voice actors. I
0: don't know quite why that is, but it's cool. I I, I truly believe in you have a calling or you have a passion for something. And I think one of the things that's important along with that is that you never talk down, read down to your audience ever. If you're fortunate enough to be able to earn a living doing what you love, you better not excuse me about it. Mm-hmm. You better not. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of struggling actors out there and a lot of people in jobs that really don't allow you to express yourself. And, you know, when you do ADR work, do you all know what ADR is? No. no. ADR work is, is um, a, a lot of anime. I do a lot of anime, and that's where... Um, you, ADR actually stands for automated dialogue replacement. Um, oh, we have to hear that beep and then talk. Right. Three beeps. Yes. Three beeps and then you, well, for some reason I happen to be really good at it. You asked me what one of my first jobs was doing, a, and I don't remember her name, but she was a little girl on a series called Harlock. And that was one of the ways I knew I could do little girls. And this was before Rainbow Bright. But what I didn't realize is that I could do uh, looping is what you're doing because you're matching the mouth because those pictures are already done. I didn't know what that was. I just knew that for some reason I was working with these other very skilled. In fact, David he plays the, um, the Emmy on CSI. Brilliant, brilliant actor. Anyway, he was on that first show. Um, and I guess Harlock was really big in Japan and it was very well known and all that. And what I realized is the theater company that I ended up being in was called the L.A. Moving Van and Puppet Company. Now, I had never worked a hand puppet or any puppet in my life. But the director of that company was very smart. He thought it was easier to take an actor and teach them how to work a puppet mouth rather than taking puppeteers and teaching them how to act. And he was absolutely right. So he was looking for actors who had various skills. And sometimes we would be the front man for the puppet and sometimes we would be the voice of the puppet. Mm -hmm. And he knew I was studying voiceovers. So I did a lot of uh, and one of them was um, uh, a male chicken actually would have been a rooster, Uh, you know, and so I'm sitting here while I'm doing this, realizing I'm moving my hand while I'm talking. But that skill (laughs) and ability to do that is, I'm sure, what has made me a good looper. And like I'm currently doing, he's an iconic little guy called Doraemon, who's like Mickey Mouse in this country, but for Japan. So I felt Mm -hmm. extremely honored to get that job. Um, so I got that at the beginning of this year and it's all looping and this little guy is adorable, but he's all over the place emotionally. Sometimes he's very wry and you know, you're talking about an American voice, an English voice that is going to be different, but has somehow got to, you know, you're talking about doing an icon for heaven's sakes, an icon. So I was (laughs) after the fourth audition, I thought I didn't get this. And I did. And, uh, but he was, he's wonderful, but that particular skill. And now you have to look at a picture that's already created and find your way back to making it yours. So you're talking about both are about acting, but one is where you're creating that picture in your mind based on maybe a a drawing. And if you're lucky, a storyboard, which sometimes you get, sometimes you don't, that's like what rainbow bright was. And now you're talking about taking something that's already drawn and moving and finding that voice and that character. And add to that, you know, you're now talking about an icon that you Mm -hmm. don't want the Japanese to hate us. (laughs) (laughs) And then South Park uh, is another whole thing because that has to do with Trey and the way he talks and the drawing. Sometimes I have the drawing in the mouth. Sometimes I don't. And... I never see a script. I only see the part that I do. So I have to kind of ferret out based on what I'm hearing Trey do in my headset or headphones. <laughs> what's going on? And you're Mrs. Broslovsky. <laughs> yes. Or you can make it easier and say Kyle's mom, Butter's mom, Token's mom. In <laughs> fact, Butter's mom, I I basically thought about what uh, canary yellow would be as a as an adult. <laughs> and so she came to the paint. More paint. That kind of breathy, slightly Marilyn Monroe kind of, you know, flaky. Which also, by the way, I, I took that voice and varied it for Moki and Fraggle Rock. You asked me what I was singing on in the 80s. Well, mm-hmm. Fraggle Rock was, it had a song every... I love that show. <laughs> of all oh, the yes. shows I've done, I, that show had gone. I mean, they took our rating or whatever it was when we weren't even on. They had preempted us for a little girl uh, who had fallen down a well. Thank God she's alive. But we weren't even on when they took the ratings. And, you know, we'll never know the true story. I've heard all kinds of rumors, but I loved that show. Because we could sing. It's doing two characters. I love Moki. Oh, you already know what's best for each other. Don't you have a little voice inside you? That was her key line, based on what the um, Canadians were doing. Because <laughs> wow. we're up show out of Canada, right? I mean, it, it was... A filmed puppet show. But it was clever. You know, it was Jim Hansen, who I adored. Oh, yeah. that And that show
1: still has a huge following. I still see merchandise come out every once in a while for it. Like
0: DVD box set, I think. It would be so nice if they cast that with us. With the yes. That was a great cast. All of us are still working. But, you know. And the thing of it is, I still work, and I'm happy for that. And I, I but it's odd how many, how many little boys I do. The only, <laughs> the only show I was not doing children on for a long time was, was South Park. And then in the last couple of years, April and I started doing. I do Red. I don't know what character she does, but it's very funny. But you know, about half, uh, about at least a good third of my career is doing little boys. I do one on a. It's an app called Leo's Pad. Mm -hmm. And I love this because it's Leonardo da Vinci as a young boy. The idea is that it's a cartoon, but then there's different skill sets for kids to develop. So it helps preschoolers develop a basis that will help them navigate to kindergarten. Kids are brought up differently. Some go to nursery school, some don't. So this kind of gives all the preschoolers a chance to catch up. And it's cute and it's clever and there's some history. And I get to sing. Now, did you love to sing and act these kind of things when you were a little girl? Oh, my God, yes. (laughs) My mom got sick when I was very young. and My dad had trouble keeping a job. And we lived with my grandfather. And I would go downstairs and I'd put on a record. And I'd dance and sing to the record. But they told me I probably hummed or sang before I actually spoke a lot. And I remember standing up. (laughs) This is the time when you didn't. You didn't have to belt your kid in. I was standing up in the back of the car and singing <laughs> as the car. So I loved it. But I, my degree is in English, my first degree, because I was kind of a fat, kind of homely kid, wore glasses. So I was going to become an English professor because who cared, right? And then my <laughs> first husband actually pushed me to um, get off my butt, so to speak, and start trying out for shows. So, you know, I did. And then we came out here because he was going to write and uh, I was going to act. So, and I took uh, improv classes. Improv helps a lot with voiceover. I always tell people if you, you, and I, I actually came out here because LACC had an outstanding theater arts program at that time. So I studied there for a year and they had a class called voice production with a man named Robert C. Board. And it was there that I learned about breathing technique And about voice placement, the various places in your voice so I could build characters. And every week we would have to take a classic piece, either from like Aristophanes, classic Greek or Shakespeare. And we would have to use the five areas of our voice believably and create that monologue. Wow. Yeah, it was indeed wow. It had to be believable. So I've used that, especially doing villainesses. And then he started a private school. There were 12 of us and um, uh, a master's program, and he would not let us utter a word on stage until we had established through our movements the time period and what kind of person we were. Wow. Yeah, wow indeed. It might seem that that does not relate to voiceover, but especially if you're doing ADR or, or if you're picking up a script, you gotta know who that person is and what their rhythm is like. You go back to um, Red Butler. Energetic, you know, really, you know, together. Wow, that is so cool. Later on, that same kind of voice I used for Izzy in uh, in, uh, Digimon. Yeah, that helped me a lot because they needed somebody. He, He was the computer expert. So he had to speak very fast and very precisely what I'm doing right now is pushing the, the breath forward against the, the back of my teeth. Okay. That helps you clip words. Okay. Because now you're trying to match a mouth and make everything distinct. Because he was the one that had so much. Um, he had to get across what was going on. So I kind of took the energy of Red Butler and placed, placed him very forward so he'd have a very distinct sound. And I could speak really fast, and it was very clear, because that forced me to... My top teeth are hitting my bottom lip, and that air is forced right there, so it's clipped. you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And uh, exposition. He, he hit all the exposition. So it, it's interesting what you get from one thing to the other thing to the other thing, you know, building on stuff. And then uh, Dodge used to tell us to look at old movies. A lot of the more rambunctious women that I've done. It
1: mm-hmm.
0: kind of sound like, the, well, I think that's a marvelous idea. Don't you think that's, whoa, whoa how fantastic. Um, Who's Marjorie Maynes. If you ever watched old movies and saw Ma and Pa Kettle. Yes. That was Marjorie Maynes. <laughs> nice. And, you know, we do it today. You pull off, oh, well, this, is kind, of, this kind of sounds like this actor, you know. Ben Affleck, I'm going to kind of, well, I'm thinking of guys, but you know, you do the same thing. You kind of hear something. You're watching some kind of episodic. And there's a girl who talks like this. Sal said, is that nasal? I said, well, she's kind of nasal, but she's slightly adenoidal And it kind of gave her a young quality. And, and this actress is very young. She's supposed to be an FBI agent. Well, I think it's just, I think it's going to be really great. Yes. Um. I just want to know, could I just follow you? Because I think you... But when you do that with your voice, mm-hmm. it youngs you up. And this girl is very young. So I steal from anything I can. <laughs> so anyway, what else you got here? Do you have anything- I love Something?
2: this. This is very educational for me. I actually uh, did amateur voice acting online. I want to be a voice actress, but I don't. Oh, good. <laughs> but you don't what? I'm, I'm not very good at improv and I've tried dubbing, but I, I guess because I'm not in, I'm a casual home environment. I don't have the the
0: beep, beep, beep. I just try to match when I can and I don't ever do it very well. (laughs) Well, remember that, that we have the advantage of the beep, beep, beep. It's kind of Mm -hmm. hard not to have beep, beep, because how do you know when to come in? You know what that that's for, right? Those beeps are lined up so that the fourth beep beep begins where that mouth opens ah hmm. the beeps help you otherwise how could anybody do that I mean I've done stuff like that when there's <laughs> been no budget <laughs> more times than I can and uh, you know but you don't have to do that hmm. you don't have to reinvent the science of it it's there that's what the three beeps are you come in on a fourth beep that's really cool
1: <laughs> well I think part of the issue too is that we live on the east coast and it seems almost all of that is done over in california do you ever foresee you know with technology mm-hmm. these days we can send mp3s back and forth at light speed practically do you foresee in the future that this could be a career that would open up to a wider
0: geographic area <laughs> so to speak well absolutely i do plus there's now so many more venues for animation hmm it used to be you had a, a season for stuff. Now there is no season for on-camera, comedy. There is no season because you've got all these cable networks. So where, where are you guys again? I'm in Florida, and I'm in North Carolina. Yeah, you might want to move. <laughs> you might want to move to either <laughs> coast. But you, I told you my thing about Publix grocery stores. Mm-hmm. Yes. First of all, I was shocked I got Publix because it's like... I don't do that many announcer things, so, except for animation or something, or for games. So we used to go back east, when my father-in-law was alive, to Philadelphia during Thanksgiving. Well, I had been doing South Park since 2000. So I think I must have gotten the public's job in 2005 or six because I'd been doing them for quite a while. Well, South Park back at that time worked during the week of Thanksgiving. Hmm. So when we already knew that there was a studio back there, let me get this straight. They would use the South Park studio and another studio. Okay. So there were always two studios involved. And I think they had to do that for chef anyway. Mm -hmm. So they, they were doing him in New York anyway, this was Philadelphia. So because of South Park, I knew that there was a studio, same thing with Publix, their ad agency, uh, it's now 22 squared, but whatever 22 squared was before this, they would have still had the two recording places anyway. Florida, right? They would do it um, through their studio to a studio in L.A., or in this case, in Philadelphia. So I was able to do it in Philadelphia. So I, so I, and I ended up doing two jobs while I was gone on vacation, which was fun. So my father-in-law came down, and he, you know, because he had never seen anything like that. um, that's really cool it was fun and I've learned a lot from those tags you never short shrift anything don't do it in life if I may use the word don't and don't do it in acting everything is important for me I look at representing uh, a company that I think is really outstanding I was so glad I finally got to to be in a Publix but it's really obvious that these people care about a, the ad agency cares because their, their ads are very funny and, and they don't ever talk down to the, about the product. And you'd be surprised how much copy I get where that is done. And it's so annoying. And I think, Mm -hmm. how can you pay these advertisers tons of money? And, and they're not really, you know, putting your product out in a good light. They're making fun of it. Don't you get that? And sometimes people don't, but anyway, they've They've been very good. And, um, and you know, it's, it's that same kind of feeling you get. Well, like talking with you guys about Rainbow Bright, That's a privilege. I got to do something that touched a lot of people. Publix grocery stores, no, it's not like, you know, the hardest and most exciting voiceover thing I've ever done. But I've learned a lot. And it's important that that line and, and the, the tags be warm, be inviting. There's a lot of people that have gone into making it not just the voiceover but the food the quality of the store i'm representing part of that it's a big deal mm-hmm. so anyway i you know getting serious here <laughs>
1: <laughs> do you have any particularly fond memories of doing rainbow bright i liked the people
0: a lot that my fondest memories of rainbow bright is one i loved doing the characters they were fun they were sweet you know, there was a shift in the business in the 90s. I don't know mm-hmm. if you know that. I, mm-hmm. I also, and I'm bringing this up for a reason. I also did the voice of um, Crackle for Snap, Crackle, and Pop in the mid-90s. I don't know if you knew that. Mm. Wow, that's a really thing, don't you think? There was a shift, and I remember very specifically, where they started to make everything edgier. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. Yeah, I've noticed that. And that happened in the 90s because they went to a lot of pains, a lot of trouble to cast the three of us. Pop was out of New York and uh, Snap was here. And Snap was supposed to be this really sweet guy. I was supposed to be the one, (laughs) the intelligent one. And then Pop was supposed to be like, oh, yeah, that's like really cool. And he was great. But Snap was supposed to be sweet. And I remember the last time we did this, because I think we probably did it for three years, The last time we did this, they had this copy that was totally unlike Snap's personality. Because they would write these little, you know, vignettes, right? And Mm -hmm. they kept going on and on. Now, now you, you have to remember, we had been doing these characters just like Rainbow Bright and Patio Green and Red Butler and Canary Yellow and all the other color kids had their own personalities. They had worked and honed these personalities. And they were giving Snap lines that weren't Snap and then asking this actor to find it. So suddenly, okay, forget everything, and now you're gonna be this other character, even though his name is Snap. And it was it, it was the only time, Th- those sessions should take no longer than 30 minutes. We were there for almost two hours. Wow. Yeah, so the business changed, going back to Fraggle Rock and Rainbow Bright, and that was when uh, My Little Pony, uh, even going back to Glow Friends, They were sweet, they were loving, they had grit, but they weren't Mm mean-spirited. We had a shift in the 90s where things got a little edgier and a little meaner. It's a different generation. You know, and now, I mean, you see it, I mean, obviously, if they're doing Rainbow Bright again, and they're probably going to do Fraggle Rock, well, Fraggle Rock was also, you know, Jim Henson is kind of, Besides being an icon, he's, you know, he had that ability to what I call do multi-level, you know, just like old fractured fairy tales where you had the appeal to the adults who would get certain things on a a different level about social commentary. And then you had, you know, the fun of any kid watching it would say, wow, this is really cool. I love this. Mm -hmm. So that kind of went away. And now hopefully it will come back, but not be mean spirited. That's what I'm looking
1: yeah. for. Mm-hmm. I think the new My Little Pony is following that trend pretty well because I know a lot of adults, including myself and Renee, we enjoy that show. And there are things I believe they put in there that little kids wouldn't necessarily get the full meaning of or understand. And it's it's not anything dirty or anything, but it it's just something that, a, that the older generation would appreciate a bit more. But the kids also absolutely love it. So I'm hoping that, yeah, it will swing back that way because I miss that as well. And the sweet characters like you, you were just talking about, I agree that that's hard to come by these days and I miss it.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. I have friends that have, have children. I have, this one woman I'm thinking of in particular, um, she's more of a friend of, of a woman who's very close to me. And she has three children under the age of 10.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: She spends time with them she's a full-time mom God bless her I mean she I guess she does some kind of part-time thing now that they're all in school but you can tell that those kids are kinder there's no bullying and a lot of that is because they get that from the parent and that's the way the parent directs them in terms of what their um, television or, or game activities are it mm-hmm. makes a big difference you know so I'm glad to hear that that trend is happening as well yeah. you know and I'm fortunate I work having fun I got a great agent who I've been with since 1991 nice. um you know I mean and I'm grateful I'm grateful to be able to reach out and touch people you know it's, it's all
1: good and we're very grateful that you're still in the business we love to check up on our favorite voice actors and see what you're up to <laughs>
0: Great! I'm still in the business too. You know who I run into doing, uh, ADR work is, um, Scott. Yeah. yeah Menville. It was so funny. The first time I saw him after so long, I mean, here was this person I knew as a boy, right? A young man. He was in his teens and suddenly, you know, he was a father with two kids and a beard. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, I could tell it was, him, but it was like, Oh my God, who is this man? It's just so, so funny. And then. I mean, listen, as my husband says, you get older or there's the alternative. Wouldn't you rather get older? Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, I would. But um, it's just so weird. When I started doing South Park, Matt and Trey were in their late 20s, early 30s. Neither of them were married. Mark Munley, who who I hope eventually writes for my series, uh, was not married. Now he's married with two kids. Matt's married with two kids, and Trey's married. I think he has one kid. I mean, you know, that's fourteen years of working on a show, and I don't wow. see. You know, it's not like we hang out together, we're best pals. But, you know, I'm there. I I see things, and if I, if there's an opportunity, they're not too crazed. I always want to see pictures of the kids, but it's it's remarkable. I mean, that's what happens. I mean, that's the advantage of working on something over a long period of time as you really get to see people grow and change and most series when this that happens, Simpsons, South Park and a handful of others. I'm talking about animation now, not the camera.
2: No, huh? Rainbow Brite was very unique in the fact that it wasn't series based. It was first there were specials and then it became series. Yeah. It was very strange, uh, that whole thing, because you would expect, you know, back in the 80s, you would ha- you'd get booked for, like, a season. And, like, for example, what was it, Katie? How many episodes was in a single season of He-Man? Like, 62?
0: You know, and then you 65. have Rainbow yeah.
2: Bright. Rainbow Bright had, yeah. what, 12?
1: Yeah, <laughs> 13 total, Yeah, including the specials.
0: Remember, too, you're talking about the difference between an adventure... Kind of stuff and and girl kind of stuff and there's a like I did 65 episodes of Rambo back shortly after I did uh, Rainbow Bright you know the boys boy boys buy I guess more toys I don't know but all those adventure series were 65 episodes I don't remember ever doing a, a sweet soft show that was that long I mean look at GI Joe and um, so it was the early on. Yeah. Well, it is, I don't, and I guess for one thing, I think boys stay with that kind of stuff longer. I mean, girls, girls will, like I still collect stuffed animals. I love them. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and I still mm-hmm.
0: have my very bright right towels, I might say. Um, nice. But uh, <laughs> it is, uh, They. it's so funny. It's up, we, We're in a townhouse and, and in the second bedroom, I have shelves of all of them. And my husband has his office up there. I have mine down here. And um, so we painted. And so all the shells and the animals had to come down and everything. And so we were getting ready to put stuff back. And I said, you know, honey, they don't have to live out here and and be in a room with you. And he said, no, I like them. They can stay. (laughs) That was so interesting. My husband is not in business. He's not in the business, but he likes cartoons. He likes them. Uh, his favorite, which I was not on, was Muppet Babies. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. <laughs> oh, it's great. Oh, yeah. Lucy Taylor was on that. I was doing. I was doing uh, different stuff with her. Um, she had been doing Teddy Ruxpin, and then they um, they switched to Mother Goose. She did Mother Goose, and I would do all kinds of different characters, including um, Peter from Peter and the Wolf. Um, all designed by an incredibly brilliant man named Ken Forsey who just died this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think about it, I've had a lot of great opportunities. That was what I was going to tell you. There was another series that started out as specials, but they ran in great Britain and I had the privilege of a Co-writing the songs for the series, and then Barbara Goodson and I voiced the two leads, and um, uh, they were at first they were Buttons and Rusty specials, and they did one around they did they did them around the holidays, and they were just you know two tough little boys. I was the fox, Rusty the fox, and uh, Barbara Goodson was um, the bear. So it was, it was a lot of fun, very adventure and, and uh, very animated. And um, I, I, anyway, they liked the fact that they leaned toward education, you know, more toward principal building. So mm-hmm. Bill Hutton, mm-hmm. the producer, got a deal with the BBC to do 26 episodes. So, and that was, I got the opportunity with my partner Carol Anderson to co-write songs for that. And our job, the writer for that show was really great at writing the adventure part. And you know, you're talking about two little boys that are just full of energy and life. But in order to meet the BBC requirements, there had to be educ you know, something educational. Well, you have to have an educational consultant in the first season This person was so myopic. They kept looking for specific lessons like, you know, how to, uh, you know, the ABCs or numbers. That's not what the kind of education we were going for. We're going for, you know, lessons to be learned about behavior, which is, you Mm -hmm. know, symptomatic of what's going on right now, which is why we have so much bullying. So it became incumbent upon Carol and myself to use the lyrics to help teach the song. To, to, help teach the lesson. And I really That's found that cool. very satisfying. It was challenging, but it was extremely, it was extremely fulfilling. And I love doing that, you know, same kind of energy as Rainbow Bright, but a little bit more geared to guys and girls. <laughs> Rainbow Bright is definitely geared to girls.
1: Yeah. In the new series, they brought in Brian again as a main character. So I think they're trying to appeal to both boys and girls. Um, I mean, it's definitely rainbows, Good. so it's probably going to appeal to girls slightly more, but I think they are trying to bridge that gap a bit and make it something that both genders would enjoy. Um, I just hope it lasts long enough
0: <laughs> that we get to see whether or not it works. We'll see. Well, you know, part of that will depend on how the toys are selling. I hate to well, say They're not it, making any toys yet, so I don't know. <laughs> no, they're not making any toys that you know of yet. True. <laughs> but those any series partly based on that now. You know they got to have marketing because it yeah. is very costly. Is very co- I now know this, and I got a really good deal with with Chris. But it's it's especially if you go overseas. I don't know how much you know about the making of South Park, but the because it's a very timely show. Everything is done here, so I know what I do is I get there early on Tuesday night cause they air it the next day. So we're doing the last of the voiceover work for air date the next day. It's unheard of. Wow, I did
2: watch the, I watched the documentary in seven days where it actually went through
0: the making of an episode of South yeah. park. Yeah. And that's not a lie. That is how it happens. Every single time it runs every single time. Uh, the only time they've missed an air date and this was this year was, um, it was during a storm one of those rare things and i was getting ready to go you know it was 8:30 uh, i like to get there early and i, I talk talked to everybody there cuz everybody's there you know most except for the you know people doing contracts and stuff so i get a call from mark who books me and he said mona don't come in i said what are you talking about he said oh no it was during a, a hot spell not not a rain rain thing he said we've lost power oh no first time they've missed an air date. I mean, they couldn't help it, you know. It's Tuesday night, nine o'clock. There's no way they're going to get things. Even if they got things running, there's no way. But, I mean, we've been, in the beginning, we would sometimes stay as late as 4 o'clock in the morning. And the guys don't get home. Oh, yeah. And April Stewart was pregnant during, when did she have her baby, I think? 2007? And they would put her up at a motel, a hotel nearby because they weren't sure editing-wise whether they needed her, you know, for her characters. And she actually had the baby and came in and recorded the week she had the baby. Just <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> That's dedication. It's different <laughs> than when you do Rainbow Bride and six or eight months later, you're ready to see it. I, you know, I, I got to tell you, it's... it's um it's, it's just so, it's all so exciting. And I'm glad that when I started, I wasn't, you know, now everything is pigeonholed. You're like, okay, you do ADR. Okay. You do, um, animation. Okay. You do commercials. There was no such delineation then. you just did everything. So, you know, if one thing is a little slow, then I'm doing, you know, something else in voiceover and, you know, it's great. And if you guys, mm-hmm. it, uh, you know, want to pursue this, I I strongly suggest you do it. But it's got to be, you got, you know, my first husband told me something that was really important. And that is you've got to deal with and want to go through the process. It's not enough to love something. You have to also accept that there's going to be, if you want the disappointment or the, the I mean, I get calls, (laughs) I'll give you an example. I normally get a call to do South Park. I can't go away on the weekends because sometimes I'll get a call after 11 o'clock. Mona can come in this afternoon on a Saturday or Sunday. That happened a couple of times this run. Well, okay. So Tuesday night, I was, I was hoping it was the last show and I'm not in every episode. I was hoping I would do it because it's, it's fun to do and good money. So I'm expecting, you know, to hear from my agent about three or four o'clock uh, to come in at that night at 10. So I'm trying to do Christmas stuff when I can, right. You know, get stuff mm-hmm. ready. And we have this big open house thank you party on the Saturday after Christmas, my husband and I cook everything. So I'm just trying to get our place in order. I'm also an artist. So my place is never in order, by the way. <laughs> <So> <laughs> in my office my in office the living room double as places where I do my artwork. I do wire sculptures and stuff. So I had gone food shopping and I try and cook ahead when I can, so that we've got healthy food. So it's Tuesday. Oh, and I and and I've had Pilates. I'm still, you know, sweaty. I've been to the market. It's quarter to quarter to ten. No, quarter to eleven. I get a call from my agent. Hi, Mona. I say, Hi. She said um, South Park, Park needs you at one o'clock today. <laughs> Could you be there? <laughs> Go on. Oh I'm By the way, South Park is 35 miles away uh, <laughs> on the fourth Okay. So I said to her, okay, I, I got a shower because I really stink. Um, I said, tell him, and, and usually I have some leeway, tell him I'll be there as close to one o'clock as I can. So I went up, I put the gro- groceries away, stopped cooking when I was cooking, went upstairs, got washed and dressed and made it a little before one. But then again, tra- that's impressive. So yeah, I thought so. That's why I never mind working at ten o'clock. They're always like, "Oh, Mona, they need you at 10 I I'm grateful because at ten o'clock at night, when I leave here at eight thirty, quarter to nine, there's no freaking traffic. <laughs> so I'm great. Anyway, you want to know anything else? I want you all to have do what you want and have fun doing it. <laughs> watch animation because it'll lighten your heart. Oh yes, it always does. <laughs>
2: Um, of course with the new rainbow bright show we definitely want the original cast members to make cameos at least in the new show that would be
0: something you would be open to oh of course i'd be honored to do that are you kidding <laughs> i don't even know who's doing that show by the way who's doing it it is being done
2: through Feelin, which is a subsidiary of hallmark
0: oh sweet that makes well that makes sense that's created it mm-hmm. yes okay, that's yes. nice well, if it's Hallmark, chances are they'll they'll keep the, the sweetness, you know. So, yeah. Hallmark was very – uh, I'm, I'm glad I had the experience of that first meeting, you know, when, when we did the original pilot or whatever. Because um, you saw how passionate people were. Because it came out of Hallmark, not out mm-hmm. of Mattel. Obviously. And um, I like to see that. I like to see people care about what they do. Obviously, you guys do. I mean, that's great that you've done this and that you've got you know information and keep people going and let them know what's going on. I think that's great. Oh, thank you. You're very welcome. And the people we've
1: spoken with, both that are working on the new show, the uh, executive producers, we got to interview them. And as far as we can tell, they and the writer and everyone else that's working on it really does care. And they grew up watching the show themselves, a lot of them. So they really have a love for the property. They want to tell a good story and you may make a positive impact on the next generation. So I think the love is definitely there.
0: Well, see, that's the most important thing. I mean, any voice in the world, honey, can be replaced. We, We learned that when Dawes died and, you know, and it was great that some of the people he taught took over some of his voices. Um, but, you know, it's still got to be about the product or the project or, you know, that's why it's so important when you work with people to leave your egos outside and make the best possible creation you can. So as much as, you know, gee, it would be nice to be working on it. I'm glad that they found something to make it happen again for people. Yeah. Because it was lovely.
2: I definitely wanted to say thank you for taking the opportunity to give us the opportunity to talk to you. It's wonderful. And I absolutely love it. You're just this wealth of
0: knowledge. I just want to soak you up like a sponge. (laughs) (laughs) Do whatever it is that makes you happy and it fills you with passion and go for it. That's what I want to see. And it may be doing exactly what you're doing right now. You know, Keep that passion, keep that love of life going. Because, man, at the end of it all, you want to feel as though, wow, I've done what, what my little heart told me to do. You know? I wish I
1: could just give you a big hug right now.
0: <laughs> I, know. I, I think sometimes we get caught up in what we think our lives should look at, you know, which is what was happening to me about acting. And thank God this woman kept nudging me because... I would have missed out on so much, you know? And so sometimes we're we're so myopic about going in one direction. This was, and I'm going to do this. As opposed to what really makes you sing? And sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you just have to discover it, you know? And and something that starts out as a hobby may turn into something even more.
1: You never know. Yes. I just want to echo Renee's sentiment that we want to, we are so appreciative that you took the time to do this. Thank you so much. Thank you for bringing life to some of our favorite characters. And we hope we get to, you know, possibly see you and do a cameo in the new show. And hopefully we can keep up with your uh, career from here on out.
2: And we'd love to interview again
0: sometimes. So sure. Just drop me a line. And, and if you don't hear from me, me, you know, within a month, drop me another one. Cause sometimes I'm just going through so fast. I miss stuff. Well, let's get you back to your life. And um, again, thank you very much. And we'll keep in touch. Okay. You take care and keep that site going. Sounds like lots of fun. All right. You got it. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.
2: And so that was a very fun interview. Was it not, Katie?
1: Of course it was. That was amazing. I like her a lot. She's a cool, cool lady
2: i love that she was so open with us and told us so much it yes. was a very educational and yay <laughs> <laughs> since our last episode we also released our christmas special uh from brightcast to you featuring the fans Uh, It's a music video short featuring the song uh, We Wish You a Merry Christmas from the Rainbow Bright Christmas album, and it features a number of you wonderful fans who were kind enough to send us your pictures, uh, Rainbow Bright related or just Christmas related, and uh, you can find that uh, on Brightcast, thebrightcast.com, or you can go to YouTube forward slash Brightcast, and you can find
1: the video there. Yeah, I just want to thank all of the fans that sent pictures in for that. They were so, so cute. (laughs) And they they gave us huge smiles, every single one of them, because we love to see you guys. Uh, You know, we, we interact with several of you via our Facebook pages and Twitter and websites and so forth, but we don't get to see your faces very often or hear your voices. So anytime we get pictures or voicemails, things like that, it just makes us feel a little closer to you guys. And yeah, it was really, really sweet that so many people sent them in and wanted to participate in that. So thank you guys so, so much and Merry Christmas.
2: Make sure to also, if you would like to leave us a voicemail,
1: uh, cheers and jeers to make sure to call 702-900-7827.
2: Okay, that is um, out of the United States, or you can use uh, vocaroo.com, record a message and email it to uh, brightcast at gmail.com. That's B-R-I-T-E-C-A-S-T at gmail.com um also make sure to of course check us out on facebook twitter and youtube we still have our personal uh instagrams uh which is rainbowbrightcouk at instagram and your rainbowbrightnet at instagram uh, where we share pictures from our collections and for fans and if you want to try to uh, connect with us there you can do that too well until our next episode everybody Stay warm, and stay bright. This special episode, we are going to be interviewing the voice actress of uh, Moira Monadette. I always screw up at the very beginning. Okay. We're going to be interviewing Vote
1: <laughs> So you have to just get it out of your system at the beginning, and then you're good. <laughs>